We are full of adoration and thanksgiving for your faithfulness that's upon us. Thank you for a new day. Father, because of your compassion, we are not consumed. Your mercies are new every day. Great is your faithfulness. We thank you for bringing us together in another year. Thank you for what you've been giving us since Monday. And so, Lord God, on this last and final day of our coming together, our eyes are upon you. We call upon you, Lord Jesus, that whatever needs to be finished or completed in our lives, for this time together, my God, we believe that we receive it now. Thank you that every T is crossed and every I is dotted. That every question we have is answered. Every problem is being resolved. That we are going back to our places of assignment, renewed, refreshed, refired, rekindled in our passion, and confident in your ability that you that began a good work in us, indeed, truly, you are well able to finish it, to exceed our very expectations. Lord, we receive that grace this morning. We're empowered by your ability this morning. We thank you that we're a transformed people this morning. We honor you, Lord Jesus. We receive strength for the day ahead. And we bless you because you're a great God. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Take your seats. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I, I just want to express my gratitude to all of you once again. Thanking you, Lord. Thanking you, as a Lord. Thanking you all. Thanking you all for uh, coming and for your contribution to the success of our coming together. And thanking God for giving you the heart. To, to, to be open to receive all the things that God has said to us so far. Amen? Amen. Uh, so, as I move forward this morning, I just want to give us the opportunity. Are there any things lingering over from yesterday? Comments? Uh, what did you get? What do we need to uh, articulate more, emphasize? Uh, I've had a couple of people speak to me already to... Uh, no, they, 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 they want uh, uh, us to perhaps properly articulate one or two things, uh, which we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but before I do that, anybody else has anything uh, a spillover from yesterday? Yeah, grab your mic. There's a mic right there. Anybody else has anything that you just have to get off your chest? This is the last day. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, 
I'm sure that we'll be able to recollect to this. On our way this morning, I said to you that I couldn't sleep. Okay. Um, right from after dropping the mic, after making a statement yesterday, the Holy Spirit said to me, did you hear what you say? And I kept asking, what did I say? And overnight, I was asking, how did it go? What did I say? Uh, most times when we say we commit sin, we may think it's just a sin or maybe adultery, fornication, lying, and things like that. Every mistake, every error dispatched is a sin. And so I remember there was this erroneous statement that I made. And um, all through the night I was praying. I said, God, take it away from any heart that had it. Then he said to me, go ahead and speak and make a correction where you found. So okay. So I, I uttered a statement erroneously yesterday by saying that uh, every woman um, uh, lives under control, something of that nature. Okay. okay. Uh, I like to say that every woman that is out of grace or any woman that is out of grace or any man that is out of grace live under control and rulership. I'm not, I'm not talking about believers. So I need to make that statement uh, clearer. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. All right. Anything or anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Just want to thank God for this gathering for the past 11 years that we've been coming together to, to do this year. This is the 11th year. And every year that we come together, uh, learn something new that I take with me all the time. Uh, in reference to our family life, our children, everything. So I want to bless God for that. Uh, yesterday when we moved into the area of family, majority of the people expect Baba to keep teaching based on the booklet. And I was saying to me, to myself, this is the part of the section that I like the most when they get into family and children because we cannot get everything here by ourselves without him touching that area. Because we need that area to help our kids to, to help our family life. So we'll be able to do what we have been called to do. But based on uh, Pastor Remy, I don't really know him that well. I met him once. But since the beginning of this program, I saw him there like twice. He looks worried and disconnected. I wanted to say something, but I don't know him. So I really thank God for just being who you are this morning. And whatever it is, most of us come here at the end of the day, we cry like this going on. Because we all have to let it out. If we can't deal with it here, there's no other place that we can be helped. So don't feel any out. Last year, it was a mess in this place when people were coming out with things that were going on with them. So I just want to thank God for the strength that you have to do this. I've been in a situation where I was just among other women that I didn't know. But that thing was so heavy in my spirit that I needed to let it out. But since the day I did it, most people were, why did you do that? Why do you have to open up? But you know what? That was the day I received my healing. I was able to move away from the issue. So I thank God for, for your life. Amen. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, uh, one of the uh, questions that was brought forward yesterday that we thought we answered uh, was brought back to my attention this morning that perhaps we need a little more clarification on that. And that 
question was regarding what Pastor Tosin asked about the um, uh, the spending of time at home, where the um, she likes to watch thrillers and adventure movies, and the husband likes to watch history, and so if they're watching different programs, um, and then she gave the example of her friend who was who's a pastor who reads the Bible 20, 20 hours a week, and um, uh, to almost to the point of neglect of his spouse, and that they only came together, they only come together when it's time for communion I and mean, for intercourse, and so. My understanding was that I addressed the, the issue, the aspect of how the aloneness is good, but I did, I, did, I did not address the issue of how do you come together, how do you create the time to be together, to, 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 uh, to fellowship together. I'm not talking about intercourse now. I'm talking about just as a family, husband and wife. So I thought I covered it, but I, I was told I did not cover it. So let's just look at that again. Okay. So first I said the issue of the aloneness is unique and is helpful. Now, the other aspect of it, the need for having that face time or quality time together is also very important. This I know. This I know. If you don't plan it, it will not happen. This is not just between husband and wife. That is prime, that is important, but it also goes down to our children, especially in this age and time. Uh, let me start with the kids, and then I'll graduate up to the parents, uh, to, the, to the spouses. Especially for those of us now that have younger children, I am telling you, if you don't plan time to have face time with them, somebody else is facing time with them. And, I'm, uh, and I know, especially for those of us, well, all of us, whether you live in the U.S. or you live in Africa, time is, I mean, we're in a time capsule running up and down, doing all these various things, and the kids, especially when they start getting 10 years old, 12 years old, we assume that they're able to take care of themselves and therefore we don't give the attention that we need any longer. That is nothing but a, it's a trap of the enemy. Look at the average household now. Two, three kids. When it's meal time, what happens? Don't fall for this thing where your kids pick up their food and go to their different rooms. So it's, it's, it's the, the what's, 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 what's the issue? The blessings almost have become a curse. Because if they do not have different rooms, if everybody lives in one room, papa, mama, and the kids, there's no room to go to. We sleep together, we eat together, we joke together, we do everything together. But now God has blessed us. You're in a three, four, five bedroom mansion. Each child with his own room, with his own bed, with his own TV, with his own computer. So each one of them is a mission to themselves. You need to enforce the middle times. As a matter of practicality. You need to enforce the middle times. Hear this? 
after you have enforced the meal times on that meal table you also introduce the idea of one conversation and I'll tell you I'll, I'll, I'll help you how that goes because if you don't do that what's going to happen is they are at meal table they have their smartphones they chit chat with someone else they're there but they're not there mm. And even if they are not on the smartphones, so this one, Jack is talking to, Jay, talking to Jane, and you are talking to this person, we're on the same table, but we're having three or four different conversations. So, the suggestion is, enforce the meal times, and in meal table, have one conversation. conversation. So, Falam, how was your day today? And everybody else knows, we, we, we stop, we listen to Falam at the meal table. She speaks, we all listen, we all chip in, we go one conversation at a time to allow the... You see, because the issue of the deep calling upon the deep and iron sharpens sharp are, where does... Is it just in church? No, it's not just in church. It starts at home. So how was your day today? What, what was good about your day? As the parent, you come to that table with inspiration of certain things that God that you want to throw out as... as uh, icebreakers so he said to Jack to Joseph what was good about your day today and everybody else is listening he could have said you create the platform for conversation because if you don't converse you are intimate strangers living together oh. now Pastor Baker did this and I saw it but it was too late for me at that time because my kids were all grown up big house well, you know what that guy did? He had just one computer in a common area. So all the kids rotated working on that computer in public. The guy had enough money to buy 10 computers in each room. But he made a deliberate decision that he would not allow his kids to be discipled on the internet. He had one computer in a common area and all the kids were so that if you're gonna watch pornography, all of us are gonna watch it. I said to myself, Man, I wish I knew this ten years ago. But, but this there are little little things as parents that we can we can put in place. Don't destroy these kids by overindulging them. You overindulge them. Every new phone, you get it. Every new gadget, you get it. Why? Why do they need them? Why? And so you need to create an environment and a platform that allows interaction, that allows conversation, that allows communication so you know what's going on in their lives and you do this on a daily basis. I know our schedules are tough, but all the kids must know mealtime is holy. I think it was Dr. Onofoka that said it yesterday that when he said certain boundaries, the, part, the parties must know that you mean it, that, you are, that it's serious. So, when we agree that meal time is going to be 6 p.m., if you're not there, you, don't, you fast for that day. Watch what happens. Watch how quickly everybody gets the message. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, we'll be huge hypocrites to preach to other people and we've lost our own houses. 
The enemy already wants to destroy us. Ah. I just want to make sure. I, I don't know what angel is up there. <laughs> I don't know which angel is up there. I just want to make sure that. <laughs> very, very important. Do, do you understand? Is, is that simple enough that we can. Is that something we can do? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because, because in my in my children's case, uh, you know, before they left, they left home, I, 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 I noticed that in the stand to eat, they come there, grab the food, and where, where they, they're gone. I know they're in the house, but, but nobody's in the house. It's like to your tents, all Israel. Everybody pick up food and disappear. Where are you guys disappearing to? Because because I learned that late, so I could not implement that. But for some of you, you still can do it. Yes. Yes. You still can do it. Yes. You have to engage. So now, back to the parenting, to the spouses. Something similar. We're in ministry. But we should be acutely sensitive that we are not alone. That we have a partner. We have a spouse. So, that sensitivity should make us from time to time ask a partner do you can we spend some time together is there anything that you want to talk about just just initiate it find sometimes find sometimes where you just what's the word not just decompress just 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 talk just just be there intentional conversation just be there you can be laying on the bed and don't rush out and just how's your day today? Find out what you got going on today. I cannot script this for you. This house, the, 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 the only thing I can script is be intentional in your sensitivity. Amen. How's your day today? Once you ask that question, you know you you see the 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 the, the, the everything will start flowing. The point is, don't live or let her or him live without knowing the issues that they are dealing with for that day. To give you the opportunity to minister to them, talk to them about it, see how you can help, how they may need you, and just be available. That's the reason we have two ears, so we can listen. And it does not always mean that by asking, you should solve the problem. They just want somebody to talk to a sounding board, if you will. And what that does is you send a message to that spouse that you are priority. Mm. I'm concerned about you. You are priority. I prioritize you. Amen? Amen. Now, the, the ladies here, is there anything else you, can, you guys can say to us men that can help us? Pastor Shannon, yeah, is that, yeah. Come, please. Here comes the mic. Praise God, yes. To keep, it's so important that we as men and women of God that we just don't get so heavenly bound that we're no earthly good. And I say, I'm saying this, I'm not 
belittling the word or the studying of the word of God. It's very important. But you have to not just be a hearer of the word, you have to be a doer of the word. And that doing actually takes place in your first ministry, which is your family. You know, we have children, um, our children that are, um, they say that pastors' children are the worst children. I've heard that. We've seen that some of them have strayed away or whatever, whatever. No, they're, they're not the worst children. Amen. They're not. They are great children, but, B-U-T, they have lived in a household where they hear on Sunday one thing, but they experience something different in the house. And it confuses them. It totally confuses them. You speak about love, God loves you, you love God, but then at home there doesn't seem to be any love there. Love where they can tangibly feel it, see it. So we have to be aware that the word that we're teaching and preaching has to first take place at home. So I, I, I say that children learn by not what you say, but what they see. And they need to see mama and daddy in love, expressing love, showing love one to another. Amen? Now, my father and mother was very uh, passionate, meaning they would hold hands, we would go on picnics, we would do certain things as a family. And um, my mom and dad, sometimes when they put us to bed, they'd be in the living room, they'd be dancing, they'd be having fun together. They, they probably couldn't go out because there was about seven of us there, so they, they used the living room for that time of gathering and pottering. Or either we went to, or we would do the family table. We would all sit down and we would just talk and have, I mean, great time. So in that, that's just part of me. I'm very affectionate. Most of you guys know I'm, I'm constantly embracing or touching or coming to my husband because I love him. So my kids, they see that, they know that, they understand. So um, what my husband and I have done, even as we're grown older, we have been married for 38 years, so we'll learn a lot of things <laughs> by trial and error. But one thing we've learned is that we are one. And that even our children know that they cannot separate or divide us. They can't play mama against daddy and daddy against mama. We don't do that in our household. But the thing that they do see, a lot of times our quiet time is together. We're watching a program together. I have indulged watching football, which I do not like. But because he likes the company, I'm there with him. Usually I fall off to sleep and everything, but <laughs> nevertheless, I'm there. Um, um, we've been on trips together in one of the pastor's house that was hosting us. He said, I can't believe you guys still act like little teenagers. 
we were upstairs in the den again when we sit and talk. I either have my feet in his lap or his head in my lap, and we're talking. We're very close and intimate. Yes. <laughs> and the person came through, and he just started shaking his head. He said, you guys are still acting like teenagers. This is how to keep the love fire going. Now, when he has time to study and I need time, we have our quiet time. Um, and our separate times, but it's not like it's a constantly all-day thing. We have to come together during the day, at the end of the day. Amen? Amen. So what we've done as a couple, uh, at one time we, we had, well, we go out at least once a week. It doesn't have to be anything big, but it's just bank insurance time together. Um, he takes me out to eat a lot. And it's starting to show a little bit here. <laughs> but um, I enjoy those times where I don't have to cook. It's just that we're out. And when we go out and he brings me home, well, first of all, when we go out, he opens the door for me. He, he, he escorts me into the car. He, you know, when we come home, he opened the door, and, and I would turn to him and say, thank you. I was calling my boyfriend. So I always played the scheme like, Thank you. Uh, I look forward to our next date. I had a wonderful time. Good night. You know, I'm always acting, playing out parts. <laughs> like we just went on a date. Because it is a date. And I believe it just happens a lot in terms of ministry. Um, stay connected. And um, we get a chance to talk a lot. Um, talk about things. So you just really need, as husband and wife, you just really need that, that downtime and, um, of, of speaking to one another and spending time together. But like I said, the children actually sees that and it helps them when they grow up and become a husband or either become a wife to understand how to relate with their spouses correctly. Amen? Amen. And I do say, please spend some time away. We minister a lot, but we also go on vacation. It's a time where you just need to just go away. And, I mean, take, put down the cell phone, put down the iPod, and just go away. So what we do on our birthdays, usually we're away. On our anniversary, we're going to go away. And yes, mm -hmm. you need to get away out of the house uh, and, and just go. And, and go on a cruise, do whatever. Whatever you can financially do, do it. Amen? It's not, it's not a sin to, re to enjoy life. God said he's given us life and life more abundantly. And it's more life than inside of a church building or inside of a four walls. Take your spouses out. Enjoy them. And let them enjoy you. Amen? Amen. Take some time away. Jesus himself got away. <laughs> Amen? Jesus got away plenty of times to pray in the mountains, but he also got, he got away. Yes. And when you get away, you don't have to always be going to conference. No. Go do some, some earthly good things together. Yeah. 
Praise God. Thank you. Amen. Amen. You have something? Okay. All right. As Bishop Manadon is getting the mic, and then Pastor Fisher has something. Let me just add this. Let me just say this again. Remember yesterday, we said that fruit is never for itself. If you just let that be emblazoned in your heart, that will help you know how you should respond to not only your spouse, your children, to all those people around you. Now, we are focused on the family, but I don't want us to limit what we are sharing to family. Because you live in the real world. You work, you're in the marketplace, the exact same thing that happens in your home should be carried out in all of these other relationships as well. That's what makes us authentic. The fact that we live it at home and we live it abroad. I mean, by saying abroad, outside of the home. Just remember, the fruit is no good to itself. The fruit must always be to nurture or so to satisfy someone else. When you really, when that becomes real to you, then in the morning you wake up, how is this fruit bank going to be placed into Sharon, to Faith, to Tooks, to Toyin, to Tosin, to Sami, to Domanadon? That, that, that's the idea. How am I going to give myself as a fruit to satisfy somebody today? Does that make sense? If we understand it like that, that helps me and you to be able to, 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 to flow in the sense that God wants us to flow. Amen? Jesus said it best. That he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give himself a ransom for many. So when I understand that, I see that my role as a father, as a husband, is to serve my wife. Now, initially she may not get the message to reciprocate. But I cannot limit my wanting to serve her with the condition that she has to serve me. That, that is huge. Because if you do that, that's not grace. Grace means she doesn't deserve it. She doesn't appreciate it. She does not even know she, she wants it. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. And I think I've shared that before. That when I began to understand this message, those were the first adjustments I had to make. The willingness and the desire to want to serve her. Those are my first. That that was. Those are the first things I, I started doing. <laughs> Amen. So just just make it a point that you want to release the grace that God has given you, and it starts by serving those around you. And those around you begins with serving your home, Bishop, and the Pastor Tessie. Thank you so much, Pastor Frank and Pastor Sharon, for being so transparent. Uh, I'm learning a whole lot uh, from both of you being transparent. Um, but I, I just wanted to say something. Because I know here in the United States, we are so busy. Uh, sometimes, talking about children, we don't have the time to 
you know, be together every day. Correct. You know, to have meal to eat. Yes. So what I did that actually helped me was that every Sunday, every Sunday I will leave church. We go to a restaurant. And at that time, I, I now find out what they are all going through. Amen. And I'll just throw some simple questions. I just say, Lee, you know, tell me. Uh, you have a girlfriend. Well, how is the girl doing? And then others will just start to look at each other like, what? <laughs> now, I'm not seeing him with a girl. But I'm just trying to feed the poor. <laughs> Entrapment. <laughs> Entrapment. <laughs> and then when you do that, you, know, then you see others that they start looking at each other, then you know something is cooking. <laughs> so every Sunday we go out to spend time together. Amen. Every, every morning, I know I was going to the hospital every morning, 6 a.m. Getting ready to leave the house. So, but we pray together. Why? What we are doing, we say, if I, if I get up before you, I will pour water on you, or you pour water on us. Me and what? And we kept playing that game until it became part of And then I noticed that, and that's why I'm surprised to see, I'm not surprised seeing him preaching now. Because after some time, they said, because the prayer was too short, because I'm rushing to go out. And then they said, this prayer is coming so long. At that point, I knew that we were not, yeah, we are not spending nothing. Nothing happened. But at night, before we go to bed, yeah, most of the time, I get home late too. You know, we, or the day we have time, so I think, you know, and see, doing what I can also in school, I make sure that, um, <laughs> I make sure that Monday through Friday, nobody watches TV. Monday through Friday. <laughs> after school, after school Friday, when you come back from school Friday, you are free to watch TV Sunday. <laughs> but on Sunday, TV stops at 7 p.m. so that you can do your homework and get ready. So that was what we did in our house. And I'm surprised now that my daughter is also saying, you know, you will do the same thing to her children. They will not watch TV. It's Friday. So what you are doing, they won't like it, but later on, they will buy that. They appreciate it. They want to share that with you. Amen. Pastor Tosin, I answered it already. Okay. Tonya? Tonya? Yeah. What was it? Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, I have listened intensely to um, a lot of the insight given for families, what fruitful and healthy families look like. And 
I guess the, the main question I have is, as a single person who has no children, what does a fruitful and healthy family of one look like? Because there are plenty of ministers now. They're not married. They don't have kids. Correct. But what is a good balance for someone who's single? You know, I don't want to be a nun and sit in the church all day. Sure. Because that's what some people expect you to do. Yes. And then other people think, well, if you're not, if you're not in church all the time, then what are you doing with your time? As though, so what is the balance um, from you? What is the good balance that we should be doing to have a fruitful life, a, a balance between life and ministry okay first let me that's a very good question for people that are single that's why we call this this theme empowered by grace for a fruitful and healthy relationship so it's not just addressing husband wife and children as an individual who's born again i exist within a certain oikos oikos means group am i at work do i have friends am i in business Am I in ministry? Am I a family? Anytime I have any interaction with another human being, saved or unsaved, they should be able to receive nourishment from me. That's been fruitful. When I when I when I speak with them, okay. For instance, I was in the, I was in the post office this morning on my way here. Me and Chris, I was in the post office. And he just giving the guy the, the, the postage. I don't know what he heard or saw. He asked me, what line of work are you in? Now, I've been in that post office, oh, I don't know how many times. Seen that same guy many, many, many times. But something happened in the interac- interaction this morning for which he now asked me, who are you? Just this morning, just today. Am I talking? So what I'm saying is, it's not a matter of what you do, it's a matter of who you be. Amen. Did you hear what I just said? I wouldn't want us to get in the doing bandwagon. Rather, I want us to be in the being essence. Because the mango don't do anything, the apple don't do anything, the grapes don't do anything, they just be. And you can see a, a mango that's ripe. You say, wow, that's a ripe mango. How do you know? Mm. You just look at it. So to answer your question there, as a single person, you have just as much opportunity to be a blessing, a nourishment, a satisfaction, an answer to people around you, whoever that person is. So just carrying that consciousness that I'm a tree, a fruit-bearing tree, and just wondering, who can I feed today? Amen. Who is in need of nourishing? When I walk into a bank, grocery store, walk to a marketplace, to a job, to a consulting firm, whoever is talking to you is a potential candidate to eat of you or eat from you. So it's the awareness of that that really we need to really allow for us. And if you, once that awareness is real for you, then if you are married, it's automatic. You know you exist. To bear fruit so that your partner, your spouse, your children, your brothers, your sisters can partake of whatever God has placed in you. That's the issue. It, it should be natural. It should, it should be supernaturally natural thing on a consistent basis. Once we get this right.
Does that answer your question, Tanya? Yeah. Foolish? <laughs> Um, first of all, I just want to thank the person who actually talked to you yeah. about the question not clearly being answered because I still had some questions, but I really didn't want to okay. be a bother. So I'm so thankful that person pulled you to the side because in my home for the past one month, I've been telling my husband, you know, um, I need an intentional conversation. Okay. And that's been an issue for the past four weeks in our home that I don't want to be the one. And I'm very talkative, and he's not. So <laughs> he's tired. Yeah. So, and I, I've been telling him that I want you to bring up conversation. Now, I'm going to be on the back road. I'm not going to be talking anymore. But I need you to have intentional conversation. I need for you to talk to me about whether or not you walk in on the road and you hit a stone. I want to hear about every single detail of what's going on in your day. I, and he's looking at me like... What is she talking about? Like I'm a strange person, but so that's a been a, a major issue and a struggle for him. Yes. And the part about the kids, I've been telling my husband, I want you to befriend our daughters. We have our daughters. Okay. Friendship, befriend them. Okay. And um, I told him, I said, you know, the girls. Okay, Morontolu is going to be 12 next year. She's 11 now. She's going to middle school. I want you to be like, because you know, I just feel like. Her body is changing and all that, and that's making me nervous. She's not on her period yet. <laughs> I'm nervous. So I'm saying I want you to be more obvious to her. I want you to spend time with her. I want you to, you know, take her out on a date or something and all that. So I'm so glad that this brought out some of the things that I was just going over for the past one month. As I said, I need more. I need more in the area of love. That's what I've been saying. So I'm glad this occurred. Yeah. And I, let me say this to you. In, in the area of us men, talking to our daughters when they're changing, it's not easy for us. I want you ladies to understand that. It is not easy. Now, I did it. I did it. But it was not easy. I did it because, because I knew I needed to do so. I, I can't remember. Did I take her to a hotel? and just You took her out to dinner. To dinner? Okay. Yeah, All she right. had... That's when our daughter was 21. Okay. Daddy took her out on a date okay. to show her how a young man is to respect her and uh, honor her. So he got, so I took her out, dressed her up, and dad and her went out. Um, they took their photos together. It was a big, it was a big thing. Okay. Yeah, well, I, but I, I, that was at 21. Um, I did that before. I thought I did that before 21. No, we always did other things together, but you, you definitely did it at 21. I do no, remember. Do you? Yeah, that's the one speaking of. Okay. Yeah. Right. At 21. You should again. remember. I don't know. I, I just lived there. <laughs> now, with our son, we actually went to the hotel. Me and Faith, we checked in the hotel together for one night just to, just to talk. The boys talk. You know, and all that stuff. We we did that, yeah. Now, with, with, with the, the 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 girl issue, it, it, uh, um, um, this is not a law. This is not. Is it better for the man to do that or for the woman to do it? I'm I'm, I'm asking. I think the woman. Both. both. Yeah. Okay. I think children should hear it from both okay. parents. Okay. I remember. Uh, with I the, I mean, hey. <laughs> With the boys, um, 
you know, they get shy, and I talk to them. I talk to them about the girls and how the girls may want to approach them and everything. And they get a little shy, but they they appreciate it. And then Dad would do it. But for the girl and boy, I think both parents should talk to their children so they can hear it from a woman's view and from a man's view. Because some of the things I was talking to my boys about, they said, well, Mom, you're not a man. You don't understand. I said, well, you're right on that. I'm not a man. So I turned over and said, here, here's your boy. Go talk to your sons. Um, When they got to a certain age, they wanted to hear more about it from their father. And we just have to make ourselves available. But the girl, I know that my daughter is a daddy's girl. I was a daddy's girl. So I appreciate that. She wanted to, you know, understand, um, just be loved by her father. I think when a girl is loved by her father, then she's not looking out there and, and being turned on by any Jack and Jill or whatever. Because um, with my father, he taught me different things. I know how to do cars. I know how to paint. I know how to do a whole bunch of things. We just interacted. We just did things together. And um, he said he just wanted to make sure that if I needed, as a woman growing up, I didn't have to rely on a man. So he taught me how to do things. But I appreciate that. But our relationship was so, so beautiful that when I could take corrections from him because he had spent quality time in showing me love, showing me how to be. Uh, a whole person, you understand. So it is really crucial, guys, that you be relaxed with your daughters. They need that. They need that instructions. They need to know uh, pure love from a father uh, that she won't have to look for defilement from another man because her father has taught her, you know, to honor herself and, and to love herself. Some of the things my dad taught me, even as I got older in life, you know, show and respect your body. You don't go out and stay out all night with this, this and that person. I mean, we, I mean, those talks I remember so clearly. And I, it's just like when a father speaks, I think everyone really listens. So that's why the girls, they need to hear from you. They need to know um, what dad thinks. Because mama is always talking and always correcting. And sometimes, you know, they put up walls. But when daddy speaks, it carries a lot of weight. Amen. Okay, so now, oh, Dr. Nafia, I'm not sure that we've addressed Phonisha's, uh, uh, what she brought to the table. Now, again, I think this understanding of the fact that as food, or as men and women developing through food, we recognize that we want to be a blessing and nourishing to our partners, our friends, our homes. That should help us to begin to uh, intentionally uh, uh, release the grace that's within us. Because all, we have it. We have the grace to be what God wants us to be. It's there. You don't need to pray that God should give it. He has already given it. So we need to not just begin to draw from what's there. Now, this is the question. I don't want us women to beat the men down, to just say, you need to talk, 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 talk. That goes into overkill. And that becomes a turn-off. Encourage him, and then talk to God. Encourage him, and then talk to God. Encourage him, and then talk to God. 
But don't become nagging. You know what? Ah, Yanko, you've not talked to me today. Ah, what are you doing now? I, I can hear Falahan saying that. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I'm I'm so, so don't, don't become a don't become a nuisance, really. Let let him know what your need is, yeah. and that you will appreciate if you respond to that need. But leave once you said it. Then just 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 bless God. Amen. In faith that that need is met. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Adak, I'm coming. Thank you. All right. Um, and still in the same um, line, I just wanted to just um, share a couple of things uh, that happens in our house. And um, but before we even got there, first and foremost, I really want to thank God, you know, for the men and the women of God. That God has actually placed in our lives. I mean, my myself and my husband, Bishop David and um, Pastor Dawkins. <laughs> the prophet, <laughs> prophet David, is in the country. Well, <laughs> I mean, just like many marriages, I mean, we've had a lot of ups and downs. But not until I myself came to realization when the Holy Spirit really touched me that can you shift the focus from your husband to you. Ah. Yeah. I mean, we've been married now for over 15 years and it has always been, it was like, I always saw so many defaults, you know, so many faults um, in him. Like, how come you didn't do this? You're supposed to be the leader. You're the husband. You're supposed to lead here, lead here, lead here. However, I guess because I'm, I'm kind of... Um, born to be a leader, you know, in every area of my life, even from the time I was very young, I've always been like a leader, class captain, this and that and that. So that has really been part of me as an individual. So not until I, you know, change of mindset, like, okay, even though you can be the leader, however, you need to take a much more uh, passive approach than the proactive approach. So I turned the things around. Um, to add to what Sister Felicia said about the main thing, maybe that could help some fathers here. I'm so thankful, you know, to my husband in the sense that even in my children's school, they know him. I mean, he got father of the year, like now three consecutive years, because it was always he's always taking them to school. That's why he's not here because of the kids, because they're still in school. He takes them to school in the morning. And he takes each one of them to their class. The teacher, they dare not mess with them because they know that he's so much involved in their school and everything like that. So even now, sometimes I get jealous because the girls are even more open to him than myself, you know. So that has really, really helped them and not just them and myself also in the relationship so far. Um, going back to... Um, really not pay too much attention to what he does, but how, what is it that I can do better as a, as a human being? And, you know, it, it, took, it took me back to some of the things that we were, you were talking about yesterday, which is really um, that the fruit are there to nourish others. So I have actually started living that route. So when I was hearing it yesterday, I was like, wow, this is exactly what the Holy Spirit was telling me that you know what you need to just 
you know, make the fruit, let that fruit be fed by other people, let it nourish other people. And I've been using that approach, I can testify that for the past couple of years now, nobody has actually even gotten involved, you know, in the relationship. You know, like before, it was always hectic, different situation here and there, and we always had to kind of call Bishop attention, you know, to kind of help diffuse some situations. So that has been very, very helpful, really focusing not just on him, but letting the Holy Spirit use me, you know, to be a better tool and to really minister to him through the fruit I actually produce. Amen. So. Dr. Nofiak, thank you. Thank you for contribution. Yeah, you. And then, and then we're going to do a lesson. Very briefly. Um, yeah. I've been married for 42 years now. Uh, Hallelujah! I'm chasing you, man. <laughs> and uh, what has helped me, and I learned that of late, uh, is when I came to realize that uh, everything I do should be Please, a worship. Please, speak in the mic so I can hear. Everything I do should be a worship unto God. Correct. And so I learned, uh, I used to put things either as secular or as spiritual. Spiritual, correct. Secular, spiritual. Correct. Uh, to kiss my wife is secular. Yep. You know, to come to church on Sunday and pray, spiritual. Correct. Uh, to read the Bible is spiritual. Correct. Uh, to, to have sex with my wife is secular. Correct. Um, but when I came to understand that I am righteous, I am holy, and that everything I do should be a worship unto God. Amen. And therefore, I view that everything that I do yep. is spiritual. So I wake up in the morning, I brush my teeth, it's spiritual. Absolutely. I'm kissing my wife, it's spiritual. Amen. I have sex with my wife, it's spiritual. Very, very spiritual. So everything, Amen. everything I do, I do it as a worship. I do it as a worship unto God. Amen. And my wife also had to learn that because there were some inhibitions in her. Yes. Especially being brought up where we came from. Yes. Uh, things, there, there were certain things that were unholy. Yes. Uh, sex was unholy. Yes. Okay, so there were some inhibitions in her and also in me. Yes. But when we came to understand who we are in Christ. Yes. And the fact that we should not, you know, you know the dichotomy between secular and spiritual. Yeah. We dissolve that. Amen. And therefore, I mean, it's it's good. Amen. It's good. Let Amen. Me just say that. Thank you very much for that because that that that's, that helps clear up a lot of things because we have these demarcations. If we are spiritual beings, then everything we do is spiritual. It's easy. So you don't identify or label yourself on the basis of your activity, but on the basis of your identity. Praise God. Yeah. Huge. In John chapter 2, and I'll give it a In John chapter 2, Jesus went to a wedding. So was it carnal at the wedding? The Son of God was at the wedding in John chapter 2. Yeah. He was at the reception. So was he carnal or secular 
Was there any time when Jesus was less spiritual than others? If God was at a wedding, I don't know if he danced, I don't know what steps he caught, or what he drank, but he was there. So that's a very good point. It's important, I mean, my wife was talking about the balance between uh, you reading, you praying, and then versus, when you change the diaper, it's very spiritual. Everything you do is spiritual. Everything. Remove that line, those demarcations. Get out of that box. You're a spiritual being, and therefore, your being is what labels what you do. And not the other way around. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we are spiritual beings, everything we do is spiritual. Everything. Because rightly so, we worship us. Yes, and then we go to, we need to go to page 26. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Rebbe, for sharing what you shared. I was not going to make a comment, uh, but I'm going to take us back a little bit uh, to say that some of these issues are more common than we think, more than what we think. Uh, you just have the boldness to share it, but there's quite working both in the medical field and also in the... Uh, ministry has exposed quite a lot to us that we know those things are common. And I don't want you to uh, if, if anyone is going through something similar to understand that there's help. There's help. It could be social. It could be medical. But there's help. So we need to try to get to the bottom of it. Uh, you know, there's possibility that there's uh, you know, pain during sexual intercourse that needs to be addressed. There's possibility for a low sexual drive that needs to be addressed. There's possibility for pre-ejaculation uh, that needs to be addressed. These sexual issues are very common in the church, but are covered, and, uh, and we're supposed to live with them and pretend it's not there. But until we have an opportunity to address it, the social reason behind it, and the medical reason behind it, I am so sure that if your wife is properly treated and addressed, that you will get to the bottom of this problem. And there's several of it, not just, not, you're, just you're, not, you're, not low, you're not the only one. You know, I've, uh, I've, I've worked retail pharmacy for over, you know, 25 years, and I know what counseling we encounter on a daily basis between a man and also a woman consistently even within the church people have pulled me to the side and say you know what i i realize that you're a pastor so i can talk to you and he's a female and listen I, i'm going through i have a situation even right now that the guy said to me i think i, think I shared this with you he called me and said you know what it's like i'm making love to a brick he said i'm She's too dry, you know, and and I said, listen, but that's common, but we need to fix it. And I gave her some, you know, call both of them and give them what they need to do. This is not prayer. This is medical. If you could stay there and be, and be confessing and be thinking, and saying that it's evil, it's not evil. Mm. It's just the way the body is wired. Mm. But you could go to the pharmacy, 
without not talking to anyone, you have things to pick up on the shelf, and then you go home and it, the problem is solved. But if you don't speak up, if there's no, you know, discussion like this, then you would think the, the, the woman is evil, but maybe she's going through pain. You know, you, you think the man is evil. Maybe he's trying to cover up something. It needs to be addressed and needs to be discussed. I just want to say this. If you are listening and you are here and there's an issue related to that, thank God for prayers, but there's some physical thing you need to do. And if you don't do it, you are really suffering the other person. Yeah. We need to get to the bottom of it. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Revelation, quickly. Um, thank you, thank you, Bishop. That was a very good contribution. Very good. Yes. Oh. We've spoken about the issues of um, spouses and also, you know, parents to children. Um, as ministers, I know sometimes we we want to be Christ-like. We want to be open. We open our homes from time to time for, to different people, or we leave our children with different people who we say we know or we trust, and we've not done the vetting process. Okay. As um. Do our children feel comfortable enough to talk to us? Somebody touched me the wrong way. Somebody looked at me the wrong way. Or I, I just feel strange around this so-called uncle. Because in our African culture, everybody's an uncle and everybody's an auntie. Um, we are raised that the adult is always right. So most children don't speak because the adult is always right. It's an unspoken rule. So... I, you know, I, I think I want us to maybe think about that because now we are finding out. This is my statistics, and Dr. Nofio, you know, agrees with me. I would say 95% of people from the African homes have been either abused or molested or touched inappropriately. It is true. Sometimes even boys more than girls. So are we, like mom said, all heavenly bound and no earthly good? Do we talk to our children about stuff like that? Because there's an, there's a, there's an increase with that, even in schools, even in schools, now we see an increase with teachers and students, even in the US, even in Christian schools. So I think there's something that we really need to, our children should be comfortable enough to, I think it was Pastor Bang that said that when God wanted to show us what love looked like, he put us in families. So if our children cannot come to us, you know, um, I, I, this is where I, I coined it. I say, I actively cultivate my villagers. It takes a village to raise a child, but I've chosen to cultivate my villagers. Those that have influence over my children's life. Those that allow my children, you know, uh, my children do not call them Pastor Bank or Pastor Sharon or Pastor Tosin. This is Auntie Tosin. This is Grandpa. I qualify them that because they know those are the people that I have done my homework to that is Mr. this person that is Mrs. this person's uncle this person's uncle Sammy you know if I'm not there this is what you can run to so this I'm just I just want to play with us because there's an ink is it's an it's an epidemic right now and we should not just say oh okay it's Christian Grace Academy I'm just going to put my child there and God forbid so I think that's something we need to talk if you don't you know talk to somebody else how do I do this I have some, when we talk a lot, how do I do this? How do we do this? How do I, where do I go? You know, um, if, you, if you cannot talk to your child, ask somebody, help me. How do I talk to 
Because, and also remember, there's a high suicide rate now. Kids are killing themselves, even on Facebook Live. They are killing themselves. They are playing games where they are killing themselves. How long, what is that game? How long can you last before you pass out? You know, so it's out there and God will give us the grace to do what we need to do. Amen. All right. Page 26. Yeah. Well, yes, I, I, I think uh, I'm skipping, jo- uh, you see, because of the, I have to look at what will be the priorities now, given the time that's elapsed. Thankfully, you have the full notes. Everything is in the notes. We've got joy. <laughs> I hope we do get joy. Amen. So, let's just, let's just, let's just prioritize. Yeah. Now, if you have any questions about anything that we are not covering, you can raise those questions, but let's go to page 26 and address peace. Amen. Are you there? All right. So, we address the fact that the fruit of the Spirit is singular, not plural. Singular. And this singular fruit is love that manifests itself or can be described in several ways. Okay, so love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of them together constitute the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to remind us again that this fruit, we understand, does not satisfy itself but others. It's always for the nourishment of others. So we should always be sensitive and others-minded. Now, peace. Peace does not mean the absence of tension or conflict. But rather, the tranquility of order when that conflict is taking place, when that tension is happening. It's not the absence of conflict. We're always going to have conflicts. There's always going to be tension. But your state of mind during that situation, based upon the peace of God that you have received, is what we're talking about. So in other words, there may be chaos all around us, but a person with God's spirit inside remains at peace because there's order in their life. So maybe you'd be, you could be uh, on a job situation where people are getting fired, they're getting laid off, and people are complaining, oh my goodness, I got my letter yesterday, oh my goodness, I got my letter last week. And you're hearing all these things. That's intended to upend you. That is intended to put fear in you. But when you have that fruit of the Spirit, which you do have, and you are operating in peace, even though everything around you say, wow, paycheck is going to stop next week. You have this inner assurance. It's like, it's like an umpire that tells you, yep, I'm aware of all the chaos, but you'll be fine. Maybe your church is not growing as you, as you, you, know, as you desire and expect. You're praying, you're doing everything you need to do. You know? So rather than lose your peace, rather than lose your mind, rather than just lose your marbles, 
you recognize that the child don't belong to you, it belongs to God. And that God is the one that asks to the church daily, such as he pleases. You just maintain your peace. You maintain your peace. Amen. So, peace, again, is not the absence of tension or, or, or conflict, but the tranquility of order. I refuse to allow the local church to rob me of my peace. I refuse. What's happening or what's not happening? I mean, things, things come at you, yes. But you have to find your place. You need to have the assurance of how much God loves you and therefore, up to and including, hear this, even if it takes the church away, That is my mindset. Okay, let me say it this way. I just don't care. If I came here on a Sunday morning, the doors are locked. And they say you can't get in. Praise God. I'm still spiritual. Because it's not my body to carry. I didn't call myself. I didn't establish the church. The church didn't belong to me. I don't care. If God does not care enough to take do what is why should I be caring? What can I do? Absolutely. That's where I am. Now I like the place to be filled to the overflow, have five services on Sunday, wonderful. But if it does not happen, I don't care. I've made up I've gone there a long time ago. I don't care. That's exactly what the three Hebrew boys who are thrown in the fire to Nebuchadnezzar. Our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, I don't give a hoot. Because if you don't get in that place, people will manipulate and control you. So I come to church sometimes, it's full, wonderful, praise God. And I come other times, it's like all of them are a party. Nobody says, man, what happened? I may say that for one minute, one sentence, what happened? But I'm, I'm gone beyond that because I recognize my significance is not tied to this place. Absolutely not. So you've got to be careful not to allow the elements and all these outside things to... to you, you should not... Allow yourself to be created in the image of an environment. I don't know how else to say it. I don't care. I don't say time to leave the church for a week or two weeks. Man, oh my God, you go for what's gonna happen before you get back? Come on. Get a life. Get a life. I don't care. I don't care. So I don't know how else to say it. Does that make it plain enough? I just don't care. Because the care is not on me. It's on him. Now if you, if you call yourself, then you need to care. So there are three applications of peace in the believer's life. Three applications of peace in the believer's life. 
and see, the, the beauty about God is, <laughs> what we're talking about just now, he confirms it. He confirms it. I mean, why would the Pastor Dollar come and get a man like me that speaks to what? I don't know how many people on Sunday morning to come and preach in this conference. If the attendance is the criteria, will I qualify? Why will a somebody that speaks to 10, 20,000 people every Sunday come and get a person like me to come and speak in this conference? You've got to disabuse yourself of this, all this nonsense. Your peace should be because of what God has done for you and has put in you. Our self-worth and self-esteem must be because of him and him alone. End of story. End of story. Amen? Okay, three applications. Number one, peace with God. Disobedience always brings a feeling of disorder in your life. In other words, when God has spoken something to you and you didn't do it, you wrestle. Pastor Chris just talked about how he wrestled from 3 o'clock this morning about some things he needed to address. That's what we're talking about. And that wrestling may rob you of your sleep until you get it right. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This kind of peace is a sense of spiritual order. This is the first thing that happens to us when Jesus is forgiving our sins. We come to the recognition that we are forgiven in him. The wrath of God has been appeased in our life and therefore we are at peace. You feel you, there's a sense of order. Wow, I'm in line. I'm no longer under the burden of current sins. Amen? Next one is the peace of God. Where difficulties can bring a feeling of disorder to your life. If, if you look at them with if you look, look at them with the oh my goodness, what is this? Revelation. And she left in good time. Eh? Ah praise God. Sister Grace, you made note of that? Thank you. What did Paul say? Be anxious for nothing but in everything prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This kind of peace is a sense of psychological order. Peace on earth. Differences with others maybe a quarrel between the husband and the wife can bring a feeling of disorder in your life if you look at them with the wrong perspective. Luke 2 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Pigeons. Okay, I will explain this. This kind of peace is a sense of relational order. In other words, when things go wrong at home or with people that you love and care about, we can. Uh, the sacrifice here is not like in Grunk. It's not what we just read here in 2.224, but the, the sense here is we, we offer something. We, we offer ourselves. We, we offer to mend. Okay, that's the word. We offer to mend whatever is causing that rift or that quarrel as much as it lies within us. Since relationships are where we live out our everyday lives, 
we need to address what a person filled with the Spirit of God acts like. That is important. The Living Bible. Fools start fights everywhere while wise men try to keep peace. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, because peace is not the absence of tension or conflict, as we just said, but rather the tranquility of order, you will never achieve peace by, number one, avoiding the problem. When you're avoiding the problem, you just kick the can down the road. You just defy your peace, really. Unresolved conflict or quarrel is like termites in a relationship. You know what termites do? It will eventually bring the house down. Pretending the problem doesn't exist is not peacekeeping, it is cowardice. <laughs> so sometimes we avoid the problem. Other times we appease the problem. Now, I think we talked about this a lot yesterday. God doesn't expect for us or for you to be a doormat. Hear this. Peace at any price is not legitimate peace. That's what those um, those codependents that we discussed yesterday, that's what they were doing. So I will deny that this problem is there so I can have peace. But as we all know from the stories we all told yesterday, those peace or rather that peace did not last. It just always escalated to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. Amen. When I swallow my feelings at all the time, my stomach keeps the score. Do you understand that? For the sake of peace, you just, okay, you appease the problem, you pretend it's not there, you don't really address it, you just say, okay, I'll stomach this one this time. Well, you keep on stomaching, and you know why? You're going to have stomach ulcer. <laughs> so it's best to deal with it. How to be a peacemaker? Using the acronym P-E-A-C-E. P-E-A-C-E. Number one, P, plan to make peace. Someone has to be willing to make the first move. And I'm suggesting this morning that you be the one. Amen. Whoever you is. <laughs> so when I say you, that covers both husband and wife. The yeah. purpose in your heart that you will be the first one. Because you remember that being a peacemaker carries a blessing. Amen. Blessed are those who are peacemakers. Amen? And because you want to establish your home, you don't want strife in your home, in your relationship, on your job, in your business. There's nothing that destroys a business, a home, or relationships more than strife. It's terrible. It's terrible. So don't keep it on. Don't, don't and people are very careless. You'd be amazed how careless we are. Matthew 5, 23, 24. You know the scripture. I won't read it. Okay? Now, if you're a Christian, you are always to take the initiative in seeking peace. That's what Matthew chapter 5 actually says. 23, verses 23 and 24. Whether you have been offended or you are the offender, the longer you wait to resolve a relationship problem, the bigger it gets. This is so true. This is so true because the longer you wait, what will happen is 
before you can address the matter, something else may happen that exacerbates it. Hmm. So instead of dealing with this one thing now, something else is now piled on that. And the thing just gets bigger and bigger and becomes more and more and more complex. So deal with it before it gets too big. Amen? Number two, empathize with their feelings. That's not when you, when you start talking. The second reason most discussions don't work is that no one is willing to look at the problem from the other's perspective. It's the same in relationships. First Peter chapter 3 verse 8 in NLT. Finally, all of you, be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. The first thing to do is what? Listen. Listening shows that you care. That is big. We should always be quick to listen, but slow to speak. God is so wise, he gave us one mouth but two ears. He knows we need them. He knows we need them. Amen? Now, when someone is hurting you, please remember, hurt people hurt people. In other words, when people are hurting, they just hurt other people. That's, that's just what happens. And this is the reason we must talk. So you look beyond the hurt that you are receiving and ask, what's hurting them? That's causing them, causing them to hurt me. So it's not that you, I don't, I'm not going to ask them and say, then what's hurting you that makes you hurt me? That's not the point. The point is, I understand that because you're hurt, you may hurt me. So before I speak to you, I'm already saying to myself, what possibly could be what's hurting Remy that's making him behave, talk, or respond like this? I'm asking that question. And when you ask a question like that, God himself may give you certain things to help you know, you know what? Remy may be going to A, A B, C, and that's the reason he's doing X, Y, Z. That understanding causes you to be a lot more understanding. The understanding of what the person is going through helps you. It diffuses the intensity of your annoyance because now you know. I think it was Dr. Handy, Dr. McHandy that came to preach a while back and told us a story about a woman when he was a young boy. And every time he walked past the woman's house, the woman would just nag at him. Just she was always annoyed, always looking for something to to have to you remember the story? I mean, the woman was just bad. And Dr. Mark would go back home and tell his mother, man, I just walked past Mrs. Susu's house today and she was all nasty, all you know, hauling abuses at me. And how his mother would tell him, Mark, just be understanding. She may be going through something. Year after year after year after it was years later they came to find out why the woman was like that. She lost a child and was offended and was uh, and just could never let it go. So every time she saw a child, 
in this case, Dr. Hamby, he just unleashed his wrath based on the child that she lost. But Dr. Hamby didn't understand that. It took years later for him to come to find out why the woman was like that. So what I'm saying is, listen, we live in a broken world with broken people. And I'm asking us to be sensitive enough to understand there may be a reason. It does not mean you have to agree with that reason. It does not mean that that reason is legitimate. That, that's not the issue. The issue is just the understanding to put your mind in a person's situation to find out what, why are you so, why are you always mad? Why are you always angry? And I don't even ask, I don't have to ask them that question. I don't have to say, why are you always mad? I just, I'm asking myself, why is Tosin always like this? Why is bank always angry? And when I come to some understanding of why, it helps me in my reaching out to the person to bring healing to that situation and to, to, to move past that. Amen? So the key to intimacy is conflict. This is almost like a contradiction. If you never have any conflict, you always exist on the surface level.